What is happening, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fresh Hope for Better You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Oliver Goulet, and I'm here to bring you some fresh hope for your day. For all you new listeners out there, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire and educate you on how you can become the best version of yourself through fitness, nutrition, and discipline. I myself have been on the self-development journey for over five years now. I went from being an overweight drug addict to someone who was in complete control of their destiny. I share my experiences and stories that have helped shape me and the man I am today in hopes of inspiring you to become the best version of yourself. With that being said, there's multiple formats of the show. The Monday shows are the solo ones where I share personal stories and things that I've learned along my self-development and entrepreneurial journey that will help you become a better version of yourself. Thursday's episodes are called Stories of Fresh Hope. That's where I bring in a high-achieving guest that's overcome some adversity in their lives to show you that I'm not the only one that has done it, and also so their stories might resonate with yours better than mine did. And with that being said, I'd like to welcome aboard today, Taylor Ross. Thank you for joining me today, brother. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. It's really exciting to be here. Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. Um, so why don't you tell the audience, you know, who you are, where you came from, and how you got to where you're currently at? So... As you said, Taylor here, um, I started off as an athlete, as a young kid, right? Um, but I went through some times where injuries were prevalent, right? So I actually had a knee surgery in 2010, which set me off on a path of really self-development and really getting a, a new mental capacity that I've developed over the years, right? So collegiate athlete, knee surgeries, doing the condensed version right now, but uh, basically, Went from a collegiate walk-on athlete as a D1 school, earned scholarship, got my master's degree, decided to pursue coaching at the elite level where I was a personal trainer. I've coached some professional overseas basketball players, motocross racers, MMA fighters, and now people who just want to elevate and develop their lifestyles overall. And my history of overcoming the adversity of my own injuries in sport, and then also while pursuing the Olympics, while opening up a gym made things really tough, but through that experience, I've learned a whole lot and it's really exciting to be able to share all those events in my life that really culminated to where I am today. That's awesome, brother. Well, that sounds like you've been, uh, you know, doing some real shit with your life. So that's freaking awesome. So what was it like, uh, you know, training with or training to be an elite athlete and with them? So that was one of the coolest things ever. So Obviously, I had my injuries in college, and then I kind of got lost. I didn't have a group to train with. I was by myself a whole lot, and it got really, really tough, and I got into a dark spot where, like, this might be it. This might be the end of the road. In about 2017, I was just stuck. I didn't have anybody to work with, so I reached out to a family friend who um, was an Olympian herself. She's a coach. I'm like, hey, do you know any groups? Can I get with anybody? Like, I need somebody because I'm about to give up because I'm just like, I don't have it by myself anymore. So condensing that story into finally she hit me back and I got to train with Sydney McLaughlin, who is the world record holder for the 400 meter hurdles, top notch woman in track and field right now. So that was my first professional teammate and to go from a small D1 university to that was like, whoa, and this woman can freaking run, man. And seeing her put in the work just like anybody else, it made me realize that just because they're top in the world doesn't mean they're any special person. They actually just put in the work just like us too. So to train alongside that pushed my mind to new barriers where I could overcome the, ah, oh, just doesn't feel like it. Right. And 
showing up to practice every single day, no matter what, was a huge inspiration seeing her work. And then we actually got an even bigger group with Michael Norman, Ry Benjamin, Kendall Ellis, all top names in the track and field world. And I was this little guy. I was a nobody. So I showed up to practice all shy, kind of quiet. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I shouldn't be here, but they welcomed me in. And through hard work and just showing up every day, I earned their respect. And I actually got a lot faster during that time too, which was amazing. No, that's actually incredible. So you were feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome there. Oh, big time. To be standing next to people who were the top in the US and I was like top 500 in the world, two completely different things. So <laughs> it was really, really cool to be alongside them and be able to train and like earn their respect, but also learn their habits and their mindsets coming in as the top in the world. Yeah, no, that is incredible. And the fact that you know, you might not have ever achieved that and been able to push yourself to those limits if you wouldn't been, wouldn't have been surrounded by such high achieving people. And it just kind of gave you that realization that these people are no different than me. They just do different things in order to get the outcome that they're looking for. Yeah, 100%. It's a lifestyle for them. They're, they're getting a paycheck for it, which is amazing. There's very few people in the track and field world that can actually accomplish that. And I was one of those people who was doing it on my own dime, on my own time while trying to develop a business in LA. And that was kind of like the hurdle that I had to overcome. I didn't have all the resources that they did, but still they just showed up every single day. And the mindset behind just dedicating to something was something that I will never let go of my life now. Yeah, no, that is absolutely incredible, man. So like, tell me about like you starting your business. How were you able to actually like handle that? Because with me being an entrepreneur myself, like I like to push myself physically and put myself in uncomfortable positions where I'm growing in, you know, my physical area, but I'm also trying to grow in my business. So what was that like, like trying to balance those two? Yeah. So that's actually pretty wild. So where I am right now in Placentia, I would commute to work, which is about five minutes away. I was a personal trainer, but I knew I wanted to open up my own spot. Didn't know when. So eventually I had the opportunity where I was driving to LA to train for track. And my dad had an opportunity where like, Hey, I might have a spot. Like, do you want to start a gym? And I was like, Holy smokes. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm with it. Let's do it. And we got this dungeon of a basement, literally like nothing there. So I would drive to Santa Monica, run track practice, come back to downtown LA and just start building out this gym that we have now come back, repeat the process. It was like 16 hour days because I have 6 a.m. clients and I'd get home sometimes 9, 10 o'clock. Right. The balance was just the fact that there's something so great and so much potential in front of me that I don't want to stop. Even though it was really, really hard, it was the thought of, wow, I'm finally going to do this thing or I'm working towards that goal of opening up my own facility that really kept me driving forward. And then obviously training to be an Olympian is unquestionably probably one of the hardest things to do but there's just a different mindset and a frame that you put your life into to actually keep yourself going because i look back on it now i'm like what was i doing but when you have that grit and that mentality you can't be stopped yeah no it all comes down to the grit and the disciplines that are able to carry you through those tough times like i often look back to my journey myself and just my weight loss and entrepreneur it's like dude you went through fucking so much shit to get to where you're at and I'm just starting. And that's just like, yeah, the discipline and grit is what got me through. And it's sometimes you have to take, you know, take a step back and really look and be like, damn, I've been able to do that. And that goes into the concept of David Goggins pulling out of his cookie jar. When you're like struggling with that self-doubt, 
and you just, you know, you need to take a step back and be like, dude, I've accomplished all this shit in my past. I can accomplish this fucking impossible seeming task in front of me. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. And it's just like, you got to where you're currently at based on the actions you took in your past. And sometimes you have to take it back and take a step back and reflect on those actions and, you know, rinse and repeat and do the same actions to get you to that next level, just a little bit different. Yeah, totally agree. It's all about the daily discipline. Uh, your your habits day over day are really what capitalize and, and snowball into something great. And something so small today, just done day over day, week over week, month over month can really develop into something really, really big. And it's not always fun. It's not, but you get it done and it puts you in a place of great opportunity to continue growing and impacting tons of other people as well. Yeah, no, it's huge, especially when you continue to get out of your comfort zone and really strive to become better. Because if you wouldn't have taken that chance to, you know, work with these elite athletes, you might have been ended up in a completely different fucking area in your life. And like, it's crazy to think about that. Just that one split decision that led you, you know, if I would have never quit, you know, using hard drugs and stuff, I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you. I wouldn't have had the impact I have on people through my podcast, through social media and through my coaching. It's like, Dude, if you wouldn't have just made that decision to stop doing that shit, you would not be where you're currently at. And it's just hard to fathom that sometimes. Yeah, it's literally that one step, that one decision that really catapults you into the most successful person you could be. And then as an entrepreneur, as somebody who has a strong mindset, I don't like to say that it's never enough, but it's never enough. And we're always going to strive for more. And I actually think that's a good trait to have because you're building, building, building all the time. And your past is your past. And you're like, wow, that's where I was, but constantly just evolving. Like people say you never change. I don't believe that. We can totally change ourselves and become the most impressive humans possible. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if no one ever changed, I would still be an overweight drug addict that hated waking up in the morning. And I would not be where I'm currently at. And yes, people can change. It's your choice. It's the actions you take on a daily basis. It's your consistent daily disciplines that are going to get there. And you talk about like the snowball effect, but I like to really look at it like the compound effect. If you work out and eat right and, you know, do the things that, you know, are going to improve your life on a daily basis, it doesn't happen overnight. Like the pyramids weren't built overnight. Nothing great happened over fucking night. Yeah. There's some influencers that blow up overnight, but that's a dime. That's like finding a needle in the haystack. It's just very, very uncommon. And if you want to truly like make anything out of your life, it's going to be hard and you do have to have the daily disciplines. But like you said, like that never finished like uh, mindset. Like I love David Goggins book, the never finished, because that's truthful. Like we are on the self-development journey and in life, you are truthfully never finished. There's always going to be a mountain that's bigger. There's always going to be another obstacle for you to overcome. There's always that chase. And I think that's what brings like fulfillment out of life. It's just that always trying to do something different a little bit better because I know I kind of go in like a four year cycle where it's like, all right, I want to change like and do something a little bit differently, whether that be with my fitness or my, uh, my companies or anything of that nature. I'm always trying to do something a little bit different and constantly evolving. Like my pursuit in life is to become the best version of myself. And it's going to change as I continue to evolve and become a better version. I'm going to keep setting that bar higher and higher in order for me to keep progressing. Because if you're not moving forward, they're moving backwards because everyone else is moving forward, especially with us in the entrepreneurial and self-development space. Motherfuckers got their foot on the gas. Like they're going to pass your ass if you don't stop. Like if you stop, they're not going to stop. They're not going to be like, oh, Oliver or uh, <laughs> Oliver, we're not just going to wait around for you. Like 
yeah, we're going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And it's actually the perfect time of the season right now to bring that up because a lot of people get complacent during the holidays. Like, oh, I'll just start in a few weeks. Oh, I'll just wait. I'm going to do it later. This is the point where people are separated and the people who really put the pedal to the metal and hit that gas, they're going to be light years ahead of the people that always say, oh, New Year's resolutions. Like, I don't like that stuff. Hell no. No, it's, dude, it's separation season. There's no doubt about that. And my biggest thing with coaching is like, you know, everyone talks about the new year, new me, but guess what? Motherfucker, we got a month left until the new year. Wouldn't you rather start today and build momentum going into the new year instead of waiting? Because how I know I told myself for years and years, like, dude, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start January 1st, new year. I'm going to start my diet, my fitness, all this stuff. I did that for so many years where it's like I had to tell myself, like, motherfucker, you're not changing that way. You're not going to do it. If you're not going to do it today, why would you do it on January 1st? It's the same shit. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think you once you have that thought, take the action now. Why wait? You're already thinking about it. So why are you going to be like, hmm, I'm going to wait a little bit to actually get started. If you're already thinking about it, something's already telling you in your intuition, things need to change. And if you delay it a day, five days, a month, it gets weaker and weaker and weaker in your mind. So that day comes and it's like, ah, nah, right? You always just got to take action right there. And those are my favorite people to work with realistically, because they're the people that want to get after it. They're ready to commit and make that change and make themselves better. But the people who kind of like are wishy-washy, they never get the best results. And it's because they're not fully committing to the process or they don't believe that they can do it. So as coaches, our job is to make sure that they believe they can accomplish the things and then give them the tools that they need to be successful. But people that say now and take action now, favorite type of people. Oh, dude, I love it. When someone comes up to me or like asks me for help with their nutrition or anything of that, they're like, yeah, I already work out consistently. I just need a little bit of help on my macros. And they got a wife that's supporting that fucking cooks their food. I'm like, this is my dude right here. We're about to crush it. Let's go. They ain't want to make excuses. And that makes me so happy because it's like, oh, we just got to fine tune this. And this dude is off to the fucking races. It's just set and basically forget with him and adjust as we go. And those are my favorite types of clients. And like, you know, I do like helping the beginners and stuff like that, but it is a lot harder because there is so much to learn. And like, I used to struggle with when I first started coaching, it was like, do a through z right away and you're gonna be set and then it's like the dude's like i that's way too overwhelming like i can't do i don't want to do this anymore they're like can i get a refund and i'm like fuck like i gave you the game plan dude what do you mean and it's like no you got to really uh look into who you're helping and see where they're currently at and meet them where they're at and slowly like implement these daily disciplines and habits and over time like for me and you both it didn't happen overnight it was the small consistent changes compounded over time that led us to get the great results that we have within ourselves and our clients. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's crazy that you bring that up because when I was running track, I had two college coaches and one actually instilled uh, some pretty solid body dysmorphia for me saying that I needed to be smaller. And as a freshman, I was six, four, 175 pounds. I didn't have much on me. Right. And she was saying that I needed to be like Jeremy Warner, who was 165, but he ran 43 seconds. So I needed to do that. So for four years, I was probably sub 6% body fat, not healthy whatsoever. Right. But I didn't know anything. So I started going through my kinesiology degree and learning about nutrition. I'm like, wait, this isn't right. But I was so mentally beat up with like, you need to get lighter. You need to get lighter to get faster. 
that it took six to eight years for me to really break that barrier and get rid of the body dysmorphia that I had. And through learning that is what's really catapulted me in helping people understand food and their relationship with food. Cause I didn't have a good relationship with food at all. Like I literally starved, bro. And I would binge bad, like on the weekends. And then I'd have an amazing practice. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, I didn't know yet. I remember that there's this time with my wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, we went to yogurt land as a date and I stacked it, bro. Like huge. <laughs> I had the most amazing practice the next day. And now knowing what I know now is because I actually fed myself. Right. So people think they go to the gym for an hour and they deserve that. Or they go the other way around work out for hours and hours and hours and eat so little they detriment themselves. And it's those small little tiny things that we've learned through the years as coaches that will help them overcome the bigger hurdles in life. But it's just the daily disciplines just slowly over time. Yeah, it's funny that you, like you talk about that. Like, you know, when I first started my weight loss, like I eat very little and then I'd fucking binge out. And then my training, I didn't realize like, you know, after the days I'd fucking binge out, I had the best training I possibly could. I was moving more weight. I felt fucking great. And it was like, well, shit, what is that? Knowing now, it's like, yeah, you're probably feeling your body. You fucking restored your glycogen levels. Like, yeah, that's how it goes, man. You're supposed to fuel your body. If you want to perform that gym, you need to fuel your body correctly. Like, I just finished up a 72-hour fast, and I went to train, and, dude, I fucking felt horrible. Like, I just, my lifts were terrible. Like, everything was terrible. I could barely fucking, you know, do my cardio walking and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, dude, I don't ever want to do that shit again. I need to, I like, I I know how to properly feel my body. It was just like a test with uh, my mental, like my mental aspect of it to see if I could actually do the fast and the benefits behind it. There's a lot of benefits, but it was just like, man, I don't ever want to have to train like that again. And I can only imagine the people that are uneducated that don't realize you need to properly feel your body. And sometimes like I've ran into things with clients that we've been bumped, we bumped their calories up four or 500 calories and they lose weight because they're actually fueling their bodies correctly. And people are like, oh, calories in versus calories out. But if you're fucking eating very, very little amount of calories and you're still trying to push yourself in the gym, you're going to one, have a shitty workout and feel like ass. And two, you're probably not going to really continue to lose weight, which is why, you know, having a proper nutrition program in place is so fucking important. It doesn't matter if you're trying to train for, you know, the Olympics or if you just want to train to, you know, look good or feel good. You need to properly feel your body and that comes down to your nutrition. Yeah, 100%. Nutrition is foundational. And I think a lot of people can learn from what athletes do, but you just scale it down to who you are as a person and what you're doing in the gym. But if you're under feeling, like I've done something similar, but not 72 hours. That's wild. Like mega kudos to you on that because I want to do it. I just haven't been able to find the time to actually commit to it without detrimenting some other things in my life right now. But the getting that detachment from food is I think is super powerful. But for me with, you know, having the body dysmorphia and thinking that I need to be smaller all the time, that's still a hurdle I need to overcome as far as like, Oh, I'm not eating for three days. Right. So meeting your clients with where they're at and their journey of, Oh, I'm sucking in the gym right now. What's up coach. And I'm not losing weight. I'm like, well, you're probably sucking because you're not eating enough food. Your workouts are subpar. And then you go home and you just lounge around and do nothing. So you're not getting your, your neat in. Right. So we need to constantly make sure that nutrition is dialed in to support everything that you're trying to accomplish, fitness, work, and mental health. 
Yeah, spot on. And yeah, I would recommend it. It is definitely a very uh, mental, like it's a mental test for sure. And it did allow me to have that separation from food. I didn't realize how big of a thing food is in society with how abundant it is. Everything revolves around fucking food. Literally, I don't know if I've had more people reach out in the past three days during that fast about going out to eat or, you know, having our business meeting with my partners out at a restaurant. I'm like, I can't like I, I, I can't I don't want to like I don't want to be around food right now. I'm trying to fast. And it was just like I catch myself just randomly going in the fridge and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be fasting, detached from that shit right now. Like it was definitely I overcame a limiting belief because I was a fat kid, had a bad relationship with food. And it's like. I don't need as much food as I'm doing unless it's for a certain reason, because I'm not going to lie. I did the, my five critical tasks every day for work and to move my life forward. But other than that, dude, I was dead to the world. Like I fucking slapped. I napped. I fucking, I felt like shit. There was a couple times like yesterday on day three, I went to do my workout <clears throat> and we were doing sprints on the assault bike. And halfway through, dude, I was fucking, I dude, I went and I about fucking fainted, dude. I was like, I can't do this shit. There ain't no way in hell I'm doing this. And then everyone's like, oh, what's wrong? And then they're like, oh, shit, dude, you haven't eaten in three days. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Sprints, day three of fasting. Whew. Bad idea. Don't recommend that. If anyone's going to do a fast that's listening, don't do what I did. I'm, you know, I'm not the sharpest, you know, crayon in the box by any means. I do a lot of stupid shit, but I do like to push myself and that's an area where I don't recommend you push yourself is when you're fasting. I mean, on my day, day one, on hour 20 fast, I had a PR on my front squat 380 or 365 or no, it was 305 for four by four. And I was pretty fucking happy with that. But after that, I was fucking dead, dead to the world. <laughs> That's amazing though. That's some, some good weight right there. Yeah. Um, so I want to take a shift into talking about the pandemic. I know a lot of people like, you know, they, they were saying like the pandemic was the worst part of my, my last, like, you know, my lifetime, like I didn't accomplish shit or do anything. But for me personally, I had the most growth within myself, my fitness, everything of that nature during the pandemic, because that was the first time I completed 75 hard. And I actually like started to take control of my life. That was in the beginning of my weight loss journey. So I'm curious, like, how were you able to overcome the pandemic? Yes, that's a big one. Uh, I think the pandemic made people or completely broke them. And the people that it made are super successful, have their new daily habits and disciplines now. And the people that it broke, they're still trying to recover from that. Me personally, that was a big hurdle to overcome in the track and field world because I was going for the 2020 Olympics. And we went from training to, all right, you got to wear a mask to, hey, we're on Zoom now. And that's, that's not the same. Then the lockdowns came. So in my apartment, trying to train at an Olympic level was not happening. Jump rope, trying to do as much cardio as possible in the small space that I had. So this is when I lived in downtown. At the same time, our gym got shut down. That was a scary thing, right? So fitness-wise, trying to accomplish the Olympics, I saw the rocky path ahead and I knew that it might not be happening just because of my age and what was going on with everything. But the gym, I had to keep that going. And that's actually what catapulted my online business with coaching people. So I actually saw a lot of growth during that time. I had started what I called the Vic Fit in 2012, which is virtually integrated coach. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. Then the pandemic hits. Hey, Taylor, you still do online coaching? I'm like, yeah, I got you. Like, what's up? Let's, let's work. And we started dialing that in. 
But that was a little cherry on top of the bad things happening. But I looked at the bigger picture and I'm like, I have an opportunity to help people who are locked away and unable to do anything for themselves. And that's where a lot of the mindset stuff started to come in because the mental health aspect during the pandemic was massive. That is what triggered so much change for people. But the actual gym itself, we're locked down. So I had to shift really quick. We did six weeks, full shutdown, nobody allowed into the facility whatsoever. Then I had to come up with a plan with my dad, like, what are we going to do? So around online coaching, all right, we're going to start doing virtual everything, start plugging everything away to get these people active and get them moving and support the people who are continuing to support us. Because we paused all billing and everything for a while, but we're like, all right, we're, we're going to have to shut our doors if we do this. So we sent out a few emails like, hey, this is what we're doing. If you would like to continue to support us, like, please let us know. If not, send in your cancellations, all that kind of stuff, just to make sure that everything was taken care of from that aspect of whether you want to support us virtually right now or if you're looking to exit. So that was a scary time. We lost probably like 50% overnight. Then as things started to reopen, um, that's where we actually saw a lot of growth because people that wanted to stay proactive about their health and fitness and their mental health, one of the biggest things during the pandemic started to come in. And that is what really catapulted the gym business for us because we were there to help support people in this time of crazy, crazy need. I think that was one of the biggest impacts of the pandemic. If you go on Strava and look at the data of basically all movement, cycling, running, walking, everything actually went up. So I would say most of the people during the pandemic actually were able to find time to commit to themselves and fitness, which transformed tons of them, right? So the people who took action then, like yourself, got the best results now, almost four years later, and still reaping those benefits. So it was amazing to be a part of that, even though we had a really dark, scary time where we thought we were going to close the gym to now we're impacting even more lives than we were ever able to do before prior to the pandemic. All right, we're back. So I just want to touch on the fact that even though you were told that you had to shut down your gyms, you still went above and beyond to show the people, your customers that you truthfully care. And I think that whole thing right there with you just showing that little bit of care that you were going to continue to try to operate and do what you can to allow others to continue to work on themselves at home because just because the pandemic hit didn't mean that their goals weren't still there. So really you just showing that you cared about these people is a hundred percent of why you are successful right now. It's just the fact that you could have just been like, you know, I know a lot of gyms that just kept charging people and they didn't do anything to help them. And they're like, well, we, why should we suffer? You know, guess what? We're just going to keep charging. But the fact that you made the transition to online, okay, your, your mindset shift of, okay, how can I go from helping these people in person to what can I do the best of my ability to help these people while they're at home during this lockdown really had everything to do with your success now today? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, us as fitness professionals, and then I would like to say that most of the medical field, we sacrifice ourselves a lot for the better of the other people. If you walk into a doctor's office, how many fit doctors do you really see? They work crazy hours to provide to the community to help them. Same thing happens for us fitness people. So deep down in our hearts, we want to help change people's lives as much as possible. And sometimes that's the sacrifice that we have to pay for our own selves 
And I just had the opportunity to be able to provide that in a really concise manner and then lead that movement with my face too. So I wasn't sacrificing my health during that time period, but I've gone through time periods where I'm trying to service people and make sure that they're getting the best results possible in their overall lives where I detrimented my own nutrition and fitness and mental health. And it was about three months where I was like, Oh snap, what happened? Like I need to give back to me. So we're givers hundred percent. That's what we do. We're trying to provide and give value to people to give themselves more livelihood in their overall life with their families. And that's just a passion of mine. Like I'm literally a helper. That's what I want to do. And I'm trying to help as many people as possible do that through different avenues, whether it's working out at my gym or online with me, or just finding out that they like riding a bike or pickleball is freaking huge. Now you're huge. Go play pickleball. It's amazing. (laughs) Go move your bodies. You don't have to pay me. Like just go have fun and play pickleball. I'm glad you're moving and having fun. So us as fitness professionals in line with the medical field too, like I like to say that we're the first line of defense towards preventative medicine. They are reactive. We are preventative. And if we truly care, they never have to go see them because we care and can get them the the things that they need now, rather than waiting for something to happen and then having to react to that from the doctor. So it literally is a passion project always and forever. Yeah, it's, you know, being proactive about your health. And that's something. So today I actually just went to the doctors because I've been dealing with shoulder issues since uh, July with me training heavy and CrossFit and all that stuff. I think just a wear and tear on my shoulder just kind of, you know, has not been doing well. And I did a couple months of physical therapy. I do the cold plunges. I do, you know, red light therapy. I've tried everything. The doctor is the last resort. And I went in there and told him that. And this was the first doctor that I've actually seen with an injury that I'm like, I've done everything I possibly can to avoid coming here. But this is the last resort. And that was today was the first doctor that was, I was actually like, I respect the hell out of you for that. Because most of the time, we're people's first option, uh, not the last. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how I'm built. If I can fix the problem, my fucking self through fitness, nutrition, of anything of that nature, I'm going to do that. And it saves me a shit ton of money. And also it has, you know, it pays dividends down the road. You know, if you don't take the time to invest in your health and your fitness and stuff like that, now you're going to pay in the future. Yes. They may cost money to hire a coach like me and you, but ultimately we're going to save you tens of thousands of dollars in medical bills down the road from being a preventative, from having all that bullshit. And then guess what? You're not relying on the system, which is part of like personal excellence. If you can take care of your physical health, your mental health and your financial health, you aren't a part of their, their basically, you know, circle of product that the government wants us to be like the reason that education isn't portrayed in, you know, us as youth and educating us how to read a nutrition label or how to count and track macros it's not put into the schooling system for a reason because it's all a part of their system and what they want. They want you to be broke. They want you to be physically unfit. They want you to be, you know, so dove into the media and stuff so that you're not thinking for yourself. They want all these things because guess what? If you're you're financially un, unstable, guess what? You're relying on the government. If you're physically not fit, you're relying on the government for pharmaceuticals and the doctors. And I think that if more people, which is part of my purpose, is just creating awareness around that, like with personal excellence and stuff, my mentor, Andy Frisella, it's this huge, huge part of his like whole concept is if you pursue personal excellence, there ain't shit that they can do to you. I mean, 
if you're physically fit, you don't rely on the doctors. Like that's the last resort. If you're financially literate and you understand how money works and you have good enough income to take care of your family and what you got to do, you don't have to rely on the government. And I think if more people were to just take the time and invest in their physical health, that is the foundation. Like your physical fitness and your nutrition is a foundation because the way I look at it, it's like a house. If you build off a fucked up foundation, you're never going to get to where you want to go. You're going to fucking have problems later and down the road and you're not going to be happy with it. So if you focus on your fit, physical health and with your nutrition, like me and you both have, we can actually build off of that. That is just the structure. That is the foundation of life is your physical health. You know, health is wealth. And that is something I'll preach until the day I die. I would rather have zero dollars in my bank account, be physically fit as I am, than be rich as fuck and ha not have my health. Because that's going to limit my life even more than what my physical health will. My physical health, I can do whatever I want. I can walk into a room. People notice that I'm physically fit. They're going to respect me. They're going to actually want to talk to me, be around me compared to if I'm a fat, lazy slob that looks like shit. I'm not going to draw the people in. Like I'm a huge believer in the law of attraction. And I know that you know when you walk into a room, you're more likely to be approached by a physically fit person than someone that's completely out of shape that can't even hold their head up and look you in the eye because you're a confident person. We push, we repel people that aren't physically fit and stuff, which isn't like necessarily our goals as coaches and stuff like that. We're trying to help people, but ultimately we want to help those people that can be helped. Yeah, totally agree with that. So the whole fitness, financial, food, I, I tell people in school, we're not taught anything about how to stay healthy, how to eat right, or how to deal with our money. We have to learn that. What are the three most important things in the world? Fitness, nutrition, <laughs> money. So I, I try to tell people, hey, I can help you out with two. You're going to have to find somebody else with the financial aspect of it. I <laughs> hire coaches. When I don't know how to do something, CPA, right? If I want to be accountable for the weight stuff, I still hire myself a coach too, because they hold me to a higher standard. And we need to take the time to invest in ourselves, like you said, or find a coach and have them accelerate the process for us. It's, it's a huge, huge, huge component for sure. Yeah, no, that's the thing with like hiring a coach. Like people don't realize like, okay, I learned through a lot of failures and stuff within myself. But after a couple of years of it, I was so sick of fucking, you know, rinse and repeating that I wouldn't figure these things out. Well, what did I do? I hired a coach. And if I would have done that from the get go. I would have been two years further on my journey. I would have been propelled. It wouldn't have been me anchoring myself by my limiting beliefs and my thoughts and my education. I would have had someone else pouring into me all of the things that they've learned because, you know, I was on year one and two, and they may be on year 15. The knowledge and education that they can share with me to help, you know, push aside all these beliefs and stuff that I was brought up thinking and all these things about nutrition that I thought I knew. But truthfully, I didn't know jack shit. I used to be the kid that tried out running the fucking fork and, Little did I know that you can't do that shit and it sucks and it is fucking waste of time. Don't don't try out running the fork. You can't do it. You can't outrun a bad diet. There's no <laughs> way around. It doesn't matter how much exercise you're doing. If your diet's piss poor, you ain't going very fast. I promise that. Yeah, it's all the congruency of everything. I talk about the the two main pillars, which would be your fitness or exercise and the nutrition. Fitness impacting your health overall nutrition impacting your weight whether it's maintaining gaining or losing right but it's a venn diagram they cross over the biggest part 
it's a huge, massive circle. You talked about the law of attraction. I actually had the uh, the pleasure to speak with Sky Burns, Rhonda Burns' daughter, and I'm reading their newer book right now. It's the mind. The mind controls everything else. So your exercise and nutrition nutrition have their own impacts. When you cross them over, you get the best of both worlds, right? But ultimately, the third circle in my tri diagram or whatever you want to call it is mind body spirit connection because that controls what you do there and that's where people have the biggest transformations once their mind is focused in on nutrition needs to be this fitness needs to be this and then their lives will transform completely once they get that in there and it does take years of practice but you can have somebody to teach you those practices or find books that can to accelerate that process because I don't want to do six years of self-loathing and not eating enough to provide for my body ever again. Right. So if you're going through something like that, you need to find somebody who can help you to accelerate that process as much as possible and give you the support that you need. And a lot of what we do is, you know, group style coaching where somebody else might have a similar story and you can resonate and connect with that and find the path out of it faster than doing it by yourself for years and years and years. No, 100%. And I think that like with the group coaching and stuff like that, like that's why I am a huge like advocate of CrossFit because just that group atmosphere of people like you're sitting there, you're struggling with working out. Like I think it's a lot easier for someone to go into a CrossFit class, even if in the beginning to work out and exercise and push yourself than, you know, setting someone up with a program, them going in the gym for the first time, not knowing what to do. Like I think the community aspect around working out is phenomenal. And I love that part of CrossFit. Like there are some things like, yeah, it's not necessarily like the best for weight loss and all this stuff, but it's just moving your body and whatever works for you works for you. Whatever you can stick with long-term is what's going to help you. Like with me doing CrossFit, I work out with a 65 year old lady, dude, and she's in great shape and she kicks ass. And I'm like, I hope I'm as fit as you at that age. Like no disrespect to you, but I want to be fit like you at 65. Like she fucking crushes it. And it's like, just that having that aspect of, you know, working out struggling and pushing through like you know difficult workouts together just that group environment and then it just allows you to connect with other people and i think a lot of people like with the traditional bodybuilding like i go to uh like a regular gym with my girlfriend and when she's uh staying over at my house uh three days a week like we go to a regular gym and train together and just it is dead silent and i made it a thing with my girlfriend i was like yeah we don't listen to music when we're there and she's like, why? Like, that's just what I like doing. And I was like, no, we're going to have conversations because it's dead fucking silent in here. You know, I want to hear someone talk. I don't like, I don't like I, when I run and stuff, I wear headphones, but when I'm at a gym or something, I want to have conversations. It's social hour. Like you want to be helpful to people and also just, you know, show people that it's not just about suffering and going to the gym. Like it's kind of therapeutical for me at this point like I love going to the gym it's something that I'm passionate about I love helping other people and just seeing that aspect of it from you know the difference between CrossFit like I've been training really hard in for two years to now going back to a traditional gym and working out with my girlfriend a few days a week it's just a whole it's like a night and day difference like everyone has their headphones in no one talks like it is like you hear the shitty ass gym music that's playing and it's like no wonder everyone has headphones in <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's actually wild. Cause, so since running and then having my own gym and my own home gym, I don't go to a commercial gym very often. I probably didn't step in one for like four years plus. Then I moved back out of LA and I went to 24. Dude, gym intimidation, even as a fit person, is totally real. Like I walked in there, I was like, whoa, like everybody with their headphones on, not looking at each other. They got their hoodies on. 
hats on. They don't want to talk or see anybody. It's like, this is not conducive to somebody coming in that wants to start their fitness journey. Like, no wonder why people just get on the treadmill and just walk and then leave after 30 minutes. So I was intimidated by it. I didn't like it at all. And I'm a shy dude. I don't really go out and break conversations with people. So I had my headphones in, but like, I keep it quiet enough where I can still talk to people. But that gym environment is so different than what I have in LA because we don't have a CrossFit affiliate anymore. We call it hybrid hit. We do primarily martial arts and my hybrid hit program dude people come in hey what's going on they're talking throughout the whole workout and they're dying like oh screw this fuck this like oh this is so hard like this is fun like we're having fun doing it but you go to a commercial gym and it's like black and white like old school just not fun i don't know i don't i don't like that environment i only go when i have to to use machines but the barrier for people to get started in the gym now is so high with that like bodybuilding kind of movement happening where people don't want to talk to anybody. They just headphones in the oversized sweatshirts and all that. And they don't know what to do either. And those people might want to ask a question, but they're not going to because they're so scared or somebody has their headphones in and like, Oh, they don't want to talk to me. And we need to give that helping hand, whether it's in person or virtually like having something on their phone so they can follow it. So they feel more comfortable to break that barrier. But the whole headphone thing, no people talking. Yeah, that even as a shy person, like it makes me uncomfortable when everybody's just like stone face, listen to music, doesn't want to connect at all with anybody. It's it's wild. Yeah, it is. And like I make it a point, like I don't put headphones on for a reason so they can approach me because you're more likely going to approach someone that doesn't have headphones in than someone that does. Like you don't want to interrupt them. But I'm like, I'm sitting there like without headphones and I watch people watch me that are just doing all the cardio pieces and me working out. And I know that they just want to ask me a question. Like sometimes like I've made it like a, like a task of mine is like have a conversation with a stranger every day in the gym that I go to the one with my girlfriend. And it's like, if I just go have a conversation with these people, they all have questions. And I'm, I'm making it a point to go talk to people on the treadmill because most of the time they're severely out of weight and the cardio they're doing isn't impacting them the way they need to. They need to do be, need to be lifting weights. That is the number one thing that's going to help them get the better physique. And it's ultimately going to be, you know, the number one driver of their metabolism. And it's going to help them get to their goals faster. And for them to just go in. And I used to go to the same gym that I'm now going back to with my girlfriend uh, a few days a week. And I see the same fucking people that I've had conversations with in the past about how important resistance training is. I've like tried to help them out by following game plans and showing them machines, but they're still just going in there and getting on the fucking treadmill and walking. It's like you are extremely overweight, but yet you continue to do the same things that got you to where you're currently at. Like, these are people that, you know, you can walk on a daily basis. Like, but when you're at the gym, like might as well use some of those machines and actually do some shit that's going to work towards your goals. Yeah. What's the, it's the definition of insanity or being crazy is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. The unfortunate part of that is they just don't know. And it's good that you're having those conversations with them. So they have a little nugget now. Now that nugget just needs to grow in their own head to take the actions to step onto the floor and move some machines or dumbbells around. But yeah, that's, it's wild. It's wild to see that. So I'll make the transition into how and or what are your core beliefs for developing the unbreakable mindset that you have? So to really develop that unbreakable mindset, it's really diving into the things that you want to accomplish 
and having those daily disciplines, no matter how big or how small they are, you just need to constantly compound those. The days that you don't want to do it are the days that I really feel are most important to bite your tongue and just get it done. Because if you choose one day, just kind of like, ah, not today. Well, that can compound to two days, three days. And each day that you don't do it creates weakness in accomplishing it again. So to really develop an unbreakable mindset is to dedicate and commit to the process, no matter how big or small that action is, right? And you have your, um, what was your list called? Power list. Yeah, your power list. Okay, so that's Andy Priscilla. I, I do something yeah. similar to that. Um, <clears throat> so have like daily things that are non-negotiables. Then you could have like a quarterly goal. You have to hit those targets. Hitting those and checking them off is so powerful. And when you start checking things off is when your mindset really starts to change. And something that may be negative that comes into your life will totally bounce off of you because you're so resilient and strong and you won't let it waver you from your path that you're on right now. So that's ultimately how you really develop that mindset is committing to yourself and making that change. Yeah, no, that's spot on. And like that just goes into like carrying momentum, like the way the powerless works, you know, you stack enough wins throughout the day, you win the day, win the day, and you do that day after day after day, you're not going to win every day. But if you stack enough wins in a row, you're going to create that momentum and momentum is literally the most powerful thing you can have because that allows you to have that undeniable. It's like, I don't give a fuck what what's happening in my day to day. I know I'm going to get these things done because these things drive that needle forward. This is allowing me to continue to progress, to work towards that end goal. And something I struggled with when I first started my journey was, you know, the first like year of doing like 75 hard, I just put myself in a dark place. I brought all the hate out of my heart to just pour into myself. And cause I couldn't look myself in the fucking mirror without being disgusted. And I didn't enjoy that process. So I've kind of made the mindset shift to, I need to, love and embrace the process like i know i'm going to get there if i follow this you know these daily things that i need to do but i gotta also enjoy it whether it be the good the bad the ugly i gotta love this process because that is when you finally feel fulfilled because when i reached my goal i like i got down to 175 from 270 and i looked i wasn't even, i wasn't happy with how i looked in the mirror because you know i didn't enjoy the process i reached that destination and i was like well fuck what's what's next and i was like dude what am i what am i gonna do now and i was like hmm i don't know but now i feel like shit because i didn't enjoy any of that and now i got to where i'm at and now i don't know what's next so it was just like just falling in love with the process is something that not many people really realize like they have this goal set in the distance whether that be a weight loss goal financial goal or whatever goal and they do everything they possibly can and they reach that goal and then they struggle with you know they're like man i reached this goal and they didn't enjoy the process of getting to that goal and like you know their true happiness comes from the journey it's not the destination i think people get that twisted it's like you know if you reach that destination i'll be happy then or if i get this amount of money i'll be happy then but that's the fucking furthest thing from the truth what you're once you reach that you have this little dopamine hit like yeah i did that and then you're just set with this feeling of unfulfillment of like what is next like that i didn't fall in love with that process and i think that's like you know when someone has a 20 pound weight loss goal and they actually achieve it but they didn't build the routines and habits to sustain that and keep along their journey 
they put it right back on and then it's rinse and repeat and they just keep this vicious loop going and it's like well fuck if you just fall in love with the process of being a healthy person identifying as a healthy person you will become a healthy person and it is sustainable long term that way you don't have to continue to go through these weight loss journeys and try all these fad diets and all the shit that's on social media that is, is complete bullshit and i think that's just a huge thing that people struggle with yeah they need to constantly move the needle right the process is the biggest thing and i've heard that people will look forward to a vacation more than the vacation itself and that like real life like if you're going to cabo or something and it's three months away oh yeah i'm going to cabo i'm going to cabo and then you get there like woohoo okay great <laughs> like i'm here same thing can be said for your overall goals in life so if you're not enjoying that process and you don't recognize what it is that you're doing during that time, it's not going to resonate with you. And then when you hit it, you're not going to have something to look forward to. And it's, it's constantly moving the goalposts. Like we want to move forward in life. If you have like a defined set endpoint, you're not going to get that fulfillment that you're talking about. Right. It's, it's a defined endpoint where you have no more direction in your life. And when you enjoy the process itself, you can constantly improve or, re-navigate to something else that you really want to accomplish and that's where the true growth comes from because like we were talking about earlier we're never going to be truly happy with where we are so why not move the goalpost because oh i did this now let's see what else i can do oh i did this let's see what else i can do rather than i did it and then you regress mm -hmm. and that's what we don't want to do yeah no 100 percent, and that's like um <clears throat> when i first uh did 75 hard like i got to the end point and i was like you know, I loved like the process and I got to the end point. And I was like, well, fuck, I didn't raise the bar. Well, like what's next? And I kind of went into a little depression and I was like, dude, I don't know what to do now and all this stuff. And it's like, and then as I became a part of Arte and Andy talked about like, once you're getting to a point where you know you're going to hit that goal, you need to raise the bar. You got to have something else in the distance to look forward to. And that's why uh, when me and my girlfriend, we actually just finished 75 hard a month and a half ago or two months ago. And she was I told her right away, I was like, hey, you need to set a goal after 75 hard to work towards. And she didn't. And I told her, I was like, it's, it can fucking destroy you not having that. And what did it do? It fucked her up bad. And I was like, hey, I told you, you needed to set something to work towards. And she's good now. But it's just the fact that you always have to continue to raise that bar, no matter what your goals you know, you can't just reach one goal and expect that to carry you through the rest of your life. If you aren't constantly raising that bar, setting you, you know, things to strive for, you will never be fulfilled and you will get to that point where you just feel fucking lost and hopeless. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. We need some level of direction, whether it's guided or self-discipline. And that 75 hard, I have not completed it myself. I've looked at it and thought about it, but I just I haven't committed. <laughs> And that's just a lot of mental grit. Like it really is. But a lot of why I didn't do that was because of when I was competing, I can't do extra stuff realistically. Like I had to dedicate to the craft that I was trying to develop, which was being a professional runner and going to the Olympics. But like once I stopped my running goal, I was like, whoa, what am I doing? I was lost for a while. It was a dark spot. I'm like, all right, do I do bodybuilding? Do I like take up cycling? Like fitness is my life. I'm an athlete. It actually happened with my wife where she blew out her knee in college and she was set to like play overseas. 
and this was career ending. She was done. I continued to run and I sensed something after a couple of years when I was still pursuing it. And she's like, yeah, I got basketball torn away from me. Like it hurts me to see you still be able to train. And we talked through that. It wasn't a, a like a resentful conversation or anything, but she needed to establish a new goal. And once she did that, things were amazing. And that was what I had to do too, which is instilling my practice in other people. And then I was just having fun with mountain biking, road cycling, lifting to just explore different movements outside of just athletic mm -hmm. training in the weight room. So it's, it's always just developing that path and having something to look forward to because once you hit it, like you said, that dopamine hit comes and then it disappears and then you're left with nothing but darkness. No, spot on. <clears throat> well, brother, as we close out, I like to ask my uh, guest uh, one last question. What book has made the biggest impact on your life? Ooh, this is a great one. And I have to go back to The Alchemist. That was an amazing transformative journey that I took through the pages of a book. And I was, I'm getting chills just thinking about it right now. That is somebody who set their mind to something, overcame just there's everything in that book, man. It is so, so, so good. I actually need to pick it up and read it again. Um, I'm reading The Magic right now, but that's a good reminder. I'm going to read The Alchemist again. Definitely something Dude, that, everybody should read. No, that book is all about it. It goes into what we were talking about. It's all about the fucking journey, not the destination. And that book made such a big impact on my life. And it re made me really look at life from a different perspective. And it was actually right after I had done like 75 Hard for the first time and stuff that I read that book. And I was like, damn it was really all about the process and the journey the whole fucking time dude that's what life is about it's about the journey man not the destination we all know where the destination it's six feet under at the end of the day that's where we're going so might yep. as well enjoy the time we have here on earth yeah that's exactly what it is and it's it's something that people shouldn't fear live your life don't look at the end point because the end point's the same for everybody yeah exactly so brother i appreciate you coming on where can the audience find you at and connect with you at so you can find me on Instagram, Taro Runs. That's probably the easiest and best way to connect with me. And um, I mean, I got my YouTube channel and stuff going, but Instagram is definitely where it's at right now. Well, awesome, brother. I am truly grateful for this amazing conversation that we had. I know there was a ton of value out there for the listeners. So make sure you guys share the show. The only way the show continues to grow and I'm able to impact people's lives is by you guys doing it. You guys have been doing a great job of that. But the only thing I ask, if you did take anything away from it, any sort of value, any mindset shift, any perspective changes, share the show with someone that way we can continue to grow and help uh, change people's lives uh, through, you know, fitness, nutrition, and mindset. And you guys have been doing a great job. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to Taylor uh, or myself at Oliver Goulet at thefreshhope.com. I love to answer you guys' questions and concerns. And, you know, I love to show up on a weekly basis and provide you guys with some value. So today there was definitely a lot in it. it might be one you need to re-listen to. And there's going to be timestamps in the description below so you guys can, uh, you know, navigate your way through. If there are certain topics that you guys want to hear about more, uh, find that in the show notes. And, yeah, that's all we got for you guys today. As always, remember, always remember, there's a fresh hope for a better you. I love you.